to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And it is Share the Show Tuesday. On Share the Show Tuesday, we encourage our regular listeners, all of those of you who know and love us, to find someone he or she thinks they think are ready to wade back into the news of the day. Maybe somebody who took a news break for a while, who's sick of the propaganda, or who is just, you think, is ready to wake up, take the scales off their eyes. And when you share the show, so now I'm going to talk to the people who are listening to this show, because some and shared it with them. I want you to know what we do. What we do is we look at the top stories of the day and we try to understand why we're hearing them. And we don't think that all news is fake. We just think that all the news that makes it into the, I don't want to call it the mainstream media anymore, the corporate run media is there for a reason. And the reason isn't what you, what they tell you the reason is. That's their agenda. The agenda is the reason it's there. What we like to do is pull back the agenda, pull back the propaganda and tell you the reality of why that story is in the news, because it does matter why they're putting it in there. And that's what you should be aware of. It's it's not it doesn't. The story isn't what they're telling you it is, but it's there for a reason. And you should know that reason. So even if you do like us want to just drop out, grow some chickens, chill and not be a part of this effed up society right now, it's our hope too to do that. In the meanwhile, though, if you have a job or you have teenagers or you live with your mother-in-law, you're going to have to have a conversation about stuff that's being fed to them through the propaganda machine and you're going to want to know what's really going on, maybe help them open their eyes, maybe help educate them. And you could actually enhance the harmony in your world if you know what they're hearing and can, as Binkley has taught us, meet them where they are. Anyway, our feed is called The Propaganda Report. It's on your favorite podcasting platform. This show is a daily news show. It's called The Drive Time News Blast. You'll see it as a DNB in that Propaganda Report feed. So thank you for sharing the show and if you want to give me a late birthday present then sharing the show would be that birthday present uh happy birthday binkley thank you and a five-star review with a wonderful comment that says very nice things yes that means a lot to me i read those reviews every once in a while and you will get like a hundred five-star reviews and then one like one star troll yeah. jerky who says stuff that's not even like relevant so you know it's fake and insults then, your dog or something yes yes a dog like not even your dog it's just <laughs> not even relevant anyway so we need we need to keep ahead of the trolls so thank you very much and on to the top story of the day it is here is, i'm just going to read the wall street journal headline and then i'll tell you what i think about it it says, as more migrants are allowed into U.S., aid groups decide who can cross. The Biden administration is letting thousands enter each month to request asylum despite the official border closure. So Trump closed the border in March 2020 for COVID. There's a whole lot of other immigration policy, but that was what that was. Biden's actually extending that, but he's uh, g- getting some exceptions through and he is empowering non-governmental organizations to execute those exceptions. And here I've got uh, a few things to say about that. They the first of all, the government wouldn't name all the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations that are empowered to do this. They only mention what I think are the two that have the biggest kind of PR machines, the International Rescue Committee or IRC and the ACLU. Think what you will about them. But they 
they are selecting who gets in and who doesn't get in. And that that has its own power and money, but it also has agenda. So they're going to focus on LGBTQ, refugees, stuff like that. And uh, and this has been uh, I've always they call it the human rights industry. It's quite a lucrative industry. And I hate public private partnerships anyway, even though libertarians and conservatives do seem to uh, be fooled by the promise. But to me, if the government's using its force to take money away from you under the claim that only government can provide these services and then takes that money and gives it to a private organization, there is there's so much moral hazard there that you that the politicians get pri- bribed, that there's actually less transparency, less accountability and even less requirements, less rules around a private organization executing a government thing. So if there are rules around refugee resettlement for the government, the NGO that they outsource to doesn't actually have to follow all the same rules. It's really crazy. And one thing, this explains something that a guy from Brockton, Massachusetts was telling me, he was from the Cape Verde Islands, and he said that there, and actually I knew a cop from there too, said the same thing, that they have billboards in the Cape Verde Islands saying to go to Brockton, Massachusetts. So these refugee, so one of the things in the IRC website said that they had resettled 7,600 refugees across the U.S. This is how you get Somalians in Minneapolis. So you would normally get Puerto Ricans in New York, Cubans in Miami, Chinese people in Los Angeles, um, uh, Mexicans in Texas, like it's and it's kind of natural. It's organic. It's geographic. But if you really wanted to disrupt a culture, you would take Somalians and put them in Sweden. And that is exactly what they're doing. They take Iraqis and put them in Sweden. They don't let the Ukrainian refugees come over. And the purpose is to disrupt the culture. Another thing they do with that, though, is they give them money. This is federally funded. They give them cash, bank accounts and stuff. They just spend, spend, spend. And uh, that's a big part of it. So they... Another two other big problems with it is they say that this just streamlines the process. But I feel like if your process is totally dysfunctional, society is self-ordering. People have the right to work and travel. The only reason we should care is if they bring socialist policies, socialist upbringing and want to vote away our constitutional rights, which is what's happening or what the goal is, even though that in itself should be a problem we should address an over um, powerful uh, vote. But if you have a problem that isn't that you cannot control, that's overwhelming drug problem or whatever, nine out of 10 times, that's because it's a, it's a, it's a mala prohibita. It's like a policy. The problem is the policy that people know that it's not right of you to tell them they can't grow or buy or sell a, a weed that grows out of the ground. So they're not going to listen to you unless you bring the full force of force down on their heads. So anytime you have something that really doesn't work, criminal justice system, immigration, whatever, you don't want to streamline that process and accommodate what's probably fundamentally nonsensical policy. You want the limits of capacity to be a break on the laws. Also, the other thing is the uh, some of the organization coordination they're doing are cross border with Mexico. And this absolutely speaks to a 2010 uh 
document out of the Rockefeller Foundation that's about like different scenarios and how to bring technology to all corners of the world and all poor people and everything like that, no matter how strong or weak local governments are or national governments. They say in one of the scenarios, big philanthropy will be the de facto world government. So I've been seeing that more and more is that these NGOs and stuff, they report to the World Economic Forum or whatever. So does the G7. Like these are not laws with accountability and transparency, yet they reach into every aspect of our lives. And this seems like part of it. I want to put a link to that 2010 study because I've mentioned it so many times in the show notes, but I get questions, Brad, as to where you can get those show notes. They are at thepropreport.com under that show's title. It'll be the same title that you see on your podcast app, and the links will be in there. It sounds to me like the ACLU is the bouncer at a bar, and the criteria for letting people in is they let people in that will maximize conflict and dysfunction for the purpose of pushing favorable policy towards their agenda. Yes, I think that's absolutely true. And I think there's uh, two other things. One, well, one is just a weird stat. This says that, uh, from that 181,000 migrants traveling as families and 70, 9,000 unaccompanied children were crossing the border illegally since October. And that that is 319% higher. Then in the previous year, so October 2020, when Trump was still president to, to today versus October 2019 versus to May 2020, that it's 319 percent higher than it was then. And then was mostly a non-COVID Okay, I guess it's just I would like to see it broken down to like since Biden took office. You know what I mean? January to May versus January to May, because it's just too mixed up there. I don't understand why they're telling me this stat. But in any case, clearly, they're telling us that the numbers are up. They want us to think it's Biden. I'm not so sure. And then I have one more thing. That stat stats like that are so easy to manipulate if they want to get that stat. Then they just send the message down to the ACLU or whoever. We need this stat to be up 300 or so percent by this date. And then they'll let people enter. They'll they'll look the other way, do whatever they need to do to get that stat. That's why I have a hard time trusting them. I totally agree with you there. Although, and I was ignoring this story for the longest time, as people might notice. But I think that they are really ginning up something real. And I'll tell you what I think part of it is. I think so. Kamala Harris went down there when they go down there in person. Like, I, where did she go? Was she in Mexico? Did she Can't go remember. to the border? She didn't go to the border, but she went. I, I believe she went to a foreign country and met with people. I think she was just in Nicaragua, for example, or Blinken was in Nicaragua. People up there at the very, very highest levels are doing some traveling down there. So when they're doing that, they're having conversations. They don't want anybody to hear. And it seems to me that a lot of this stuff is dovetailing with what Trump Trump had held up this northern triangle, El Salvador, Honduras and Guatemala from financial aid until they capitulated with our immigration requirements from them. But what you will rarely find is that one of the requirements is very hard to find this was that they allow us to build a encampments there for refugees. So to me, this all looks like a big infrastructure push. So Trump was a builder. So obviously that there's a, you know, and he was in with the mob sometimes and stuff. But if the, when you're, Biden has all those, like the, those emails about 
his partnerships with China, looking for government connections for infrastructure projects. And uh, when I see them down there, I feel like they're kind of strong arming them into something that's going to be an opportunity for this kind of it's like a welfare industry. If you they can literally make their business global by bringing in Chinese money to outsource our infrastructure projects, which look like they're an American jobs program, but all the big money will go to China. And likewise, they can go down there if they've built everything they can here. They want to start building stuff down there, but they absolutely need to capture the governments. So this is the last thing I'll say. Uh, a great listener of ours, someone I've actually met personally, has been in Nicaragua since or in an island off Nicaragua or um, since lockdown started because they had no lockdown, no masks, nothing. And I thought, I bet Nicaragua gets into the news you know, I want to move there, but I'm sure there's going to, you know, I realize that could be a little risky, but wouldn't you know it, just like yesterday, I said, hey, let's move to Nicaragua because I was saying I don't want to move to Austin anymore. And um, my husband's like, yeah, I'm not moving to Nicaragua. It's like, <laughs> well, you know, maybe it's OK today. This was yesterday. I have to tell him. He'll just be like, wow, you really did see this coming. They're like, oh, Nicaragua, this guy is exactly like Belarus. He is arresting everybody in the opposition. He doesn't want to have a free and fair election. And I'm like, well, Kamala Harris or whatever, maybe they went down there. Blinken talked to these guys. He knew that they were now plotting against him because he wasn't bending the COVID knee or whatever, or wasn't uh, capitulating to whatever their demands were. And now he's going to arrest all those people who are truly in league with a foreign power, us, so I just feel like Nicaragua is going to get all Belarus on us real soon. And I believe it's probably a part of an expansionist policy from the Biden administration to capture opportunities to, um, you know, send welfare or infrastructure, whatever the spending is. This is where they get their, you know, they get a vig, they get a vigorous, they get a, a percentage, basically. That's how it works. I don't know how they get it, but they definitely get it. Sounds well, like the, the mob. In the case of China, they probably get it because Hunter has a, a big actual investment interest. He, he literally owns a percentage of the fund. So that's how he would get the money out of that fund. He stepped down from leadership, but I never saw that he withdrew from ownership. Yeah, this so, sounds like a bunch of thug mobsters sending their people down to go rough up the people who refuse to bend the knee and wear the mask. I guess it's like the uh, confessions of an economic hitman. Maybe it's time to reread that. I have not read that, so maybe it's time for me to read it for the first there time. There anyway. you go. Uh, so that's that. That's pretty much my international news, my uh, immigration news. That's the heavy stuff. But why don't you why don't you lighten us up a little bit? I don't know how light this is going to be. Oof. This to me is terrifying. Although it's supposed to be light in that it is quote entertainment. But Stephen Colbert, host of the Late Show. We talk about him pretty frequently on here because he is a propaganda agent of the state. He returned to the stage in front of a live audience last night. He was doing his show in his house with his wife for like 460 days. And they had this big lead up to it, this big marketing push in three weeks and two weeks and one week. We're going to go live again. And there's a couple things that I, I noticed watching this 
this first show back. This this was Colbert's grand, quote, back to normal virtue signal. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to send a clear message that things are getting back to, quote, normal in the cultural center of America, in New York City, with a caveat. And that is that he performed in front of 420 fully vaccinated audience members who did not have to wear masks if they wanted to. So there's one thing you can take away from that is there's some incentive for you to go get your vaccine because then you can go down to the Ed Sullivan Theater and have state propaganda shoved down your throat. Did he actually mention whether or not they had to prove it? Did he say verified? I did not see anywhere where he said anything about the verification process. That's a good question. Because I would think he'd want to promote that it should be verified. Yeah, that's a great question. There's no honor among the unvaxxed. There is not. No, anybody, anybody who lies about it has a falsified one is tarred and feathered on the stage. A couple messages came out of this. Oh, wait. One quote, it said in the New York Times article about this show. I watched the show, but also read an article. It said, the vast majority of those who saw the return had their mask on their laps or in their pockets. There was even the sound of scattered coughing and no one seemed shaken up by it. Oh, my gosh. No one <laughs> ducked under their chair when someone coughed. Unbelievable. John Stewart, who is the guy that they roll out, the former host of The Daily Show, and they roll him out when they want to get people to take messages seriously on a comedy show because people don't really take Colbert all that seriously. And he was there to promote the Wuhan lab theory. And we've seen that emerge in the news lately. And he promoted it with the same angle that foreign policy promoted it last week, foreignpolicy.com. And it was this, it was the science got us out of this pandemic. And it is also what caused this pandemic through gain of function research. And I want to tell you about what the article in foreign policy was leading to, which tells me that John Stewart is an ambassador of the great reset with his little appearance last night, foreignpolicy.com. The article titled War on Disease is a Self-Fulfilling Prophecy. The mindset that helped fight the current pandemic is what gets us into situations like this in the first place. This is last week. So Stewart is kind of parroting this message. And the focus of this entire article is on this war on disease metaphor, and they're comparing it to the war on terror. They're saying it's a forever war that we cannot win, and we're wasting resources doing it, and people are dying because of it. The pandemic being an example, a potential example of that with people dying if it was caused by gain of function. And here's a key phrase that really hints at where this is going. The underlying model of today's war on infectious microbes is this, to sustain our way of life with its capitalist economy and massive ecological footprint, we designed a defense against dangerous pathogens, which identifies individual candidates that pose a threat and eliminates them as quickly as possible as they emerge. Key framing in there, I'm sure you can point it out. Capitalist society, and that that is the theme throughout this. So this is a climate change socialist thing. They go on to ask if it's worth it to continue doing these things, and they say that we've already gotten ourselves in so deep. We've destroyed the climate. We've destroyed the ecology of the planet, and that... 20 years ago, when we pursued the war on terror, it hasn't worked. And now we're doing this. We're pursuing the war on disease and it's not working. And they say it's time to reconsider it and start rethinking the wisdom of a perpetual war against 
components of nature. This is a climate change push. This is one of the reasons why they have brought the Wuhan theory back. So they so, could rope in, say, this gain-of-function research stuff is destroying the climate. And the pandemic is an example of that. Okay, so this is a foreign policy article? Yeah. And what's the headline of it? War on disease is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the subheadline is the mindset that helped fight the current pandemic is what gets us into situations like this in the first place. And what's the upshot? Like, what are they saying we should do instead? They're saying don't do that. But are they actually saying what they should do instead? This did not give a particular prescription for it yet. Right. But it's clear to me. I think this I think the prescription is this. I think it's ESG standards. I think right. it's transparency and science right. shifting from great reset from shareholder to stakeholder. Yes, I think that's what it is. And I think there's another angle this is playing here. This is a couple of things here that this could ways this could go. This could in a, a weird way, unite the left and right against China. I always thought that the Wuhan lab theory would be the explanation for it because it maximizes conflict with China. But it was only the right that was really on board with that. But now if you can bring the left on board with it by saying that China also has been destroying the economy with it, then you could potentially get both sides to support a conflict with China or you can get get them to blame the U.S. for funding the gain of function. And you can continue to have that split with the right continuing to be further you know, strengthened in their position against China and the left in their position against the U.S. siding with China. There's another thing that that Cam brought a story last week about the FBI doing something in a foreign country. Maybe you saw this story. It was doing something in a foreign country because our laws didn't allow it. Something like that. And I was thinking it was exactly the same as what they said about the Wuhan thing, that our laws didn't allow it, so we outsourced it. Yeah. This is a reason to have international standards and laws. Bingo. That's, yeah, I think you nailed it right there. And that's what they're talking about right now in the G7 and the international standards and laws. They're talking about the ESG standards. I've seen articles in the New York Times and Wall Street Journal this week, today, pushing the ESG standards across industries. I think this is all roping in to the Great Reset. And I think John Stewart, in his uh, appearance last night, is an ambassador for it by putting that position into the liberal mindset and from an acceptable voice. Yes. And it also gives him credibility. Like he's the guy who gave us like Ron Paul was ignored in Iowa. So forever, even though he 99% of what he does is bad. He's got that one moment. Pompeo had a moment like that, too. I remember back in the day, I was like, well, Pompeo isn't as bad as I thought. And then all of a sudden he's secretary of defense or CIA guy. And he's like the fucking evil overlord. Sorry for that for it. And a couple more things on that. Go ahead. I I do want to give you one more lighthearted thing about the show, but I want to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. So I always thought John Stewart would run for senator in New York. Chuck Schumer, I think, was busted saying the R word. And I was like yesterday and I thought, why would he say that? Like, of course, he would never say that. He's just that that, he's a politician. He knows better than to say that. So he must be setting himself up for something, you know, gaslighting or I don't know what. So maybe he's going down and John Stewart's coming up. I don't know. But I've been what to watch out for in John Stewart as senator for since he stepped down. And of course, he'd be a good one. Yeah. And then just on the war theme, I, I you missed this, too. 
I've been walking, taking walks and every, and now when I don't see people, it used to be pe- everybody was masked, even going out for a walk. And now not only are they not masked, they're like giving me the, you just smile ever. <laughs> and I just, I have this impulse to just go like this. Peace. Sorry. I put up my, my fingers in a V sign for vaccine. Oh, the vaccine. Churchill, it was victory. So Churchill put up victory, the victory in this war. Peace is victory. And now peace is vaccine. Wow. I, that might, I could see that happening. Absolutely. I think that's going to be your sign. Your sign, win this war. You I'm even, afraid I shouldn't say it because that could, could actually manifest make reality. Because <laughs> now I want to do it, seeing, just to see if other people respond or know what it is. I bet people. I want to do it too. So then I don't have to show my papers. Yeah. Or I, I want to go out and I want to have my mask on. And then as soon as I just I'm wearing it, walking into a park. And then as soon as I see a group of people, I triumphantly just rip it off. Speaking of Vax, that show opened last night. The first live show in front of an audience with a live action version of the Vax scene. Live action? Yeah, because you know people are at home clamoring, if only I could get out and see a live action version of this animated vaccine propaganda. Well, they got it. Four or five people dressed as giant syringes with giant needles on their heads came out and did the da-da-da-da-da-da-da vaccine song and they danced around with the audience members the whole show was so micromanaged from the audience laughter to the jokes to the everything it was just it was like terrifying propaganda if you put eerie twilight zone music underneath it and made it black and white you would be terrified but this is actual television that we're getting right now and before we get to our final story of the free 30 which is going to be about America's pandemic hangover and how it goes far beyond just a bad headache. I want to tell you about what's going to be in the patron 15, which is we're going to talk about how it's going to be one hot summer with Stacey Abrams. (laughs) And can humans reproduce in space? We'll find that out in the Patron 15. And of course, I want to give a thank you to the sponsor of today's show, which is Berna Technologies. Berna Technologies is a leader in the non-lethal self-defense category. Their live safe motto is to provide consumers with an affordable device, the Berna HD, for just 359 bucks that allows them to protect their personal safety without having to take a life. The Berna HD is not a firearm but it is an incredibly powerful and effective non-lethal self-defense device that combines pepper and gas with kinetic hard plastic projectiles that will subdue an assailant for up to 20 minutes, giving its user time to escape. With an effective range of 66 feet, the Berna HD is more effective than pepper spray or stun guns that have an effective range of only 10 feet or less, and it is currently adapted by law enforcement and private security firms across the U.S. to de-escalate, de-escalate, that is, stress situations before having to resort to lethal means. Over 50,000 consumers across the country have chosen the Burn HD as their self-defense option. In fact, Sean Hannity is a loyal customer, and he's even featured it on his show in a non-paid ad. He's talked about it. Here's how he describes the Burn HD, and I will do my best to not go into my Sean Hannity voice. He says... Do it! Do it! He says, I've been telling people I recently purchased the Burn HD. You hit somebody with it, and it instantly stops them, but it doesn't kill them. 
And that is exactly why the Burna HD is a leader in non-lethal self-defense weapons. Check them out at Burna.com. That's B-Y-R-N-A.com. People say they want a non-lethal self-defense option. This is their chance to do it. I'm thinking about getting one if you use the promo code PROPAGANDA10, all caps, no spaces, PROPAGANDA10. When you check out, you'll get a 10% discount on your purchase. That's Burna.com. I'm seriously thinking about getting one. I'm totally getting one for sure. Yes. So please support us by supporting our sponsors. And if you haven't yet considered joining Patron, the Propaganda Report Patron, this is how we fund the show. It's how we grow the community. I want you to consider it. Yesterday, I told you about the true sponge level. Today, I want to ask you to check out some of our premium tier, premium tiers at patreon.com slash propaganda report. Each higher tier comes with another layer of live interactive events with Monica and I, as well as other patrons in your tier. For example, you get access to our first Friday disappearing patron parties in some of our tiers, which we throw back a few drinks, we let our hair back, and you really never know what's going to happen in there they're a lot of fun you can get access to our vip dpps and i will say there's a reason they disappear there's a reason all of these disappear because as i said you don't know what's going to happen in there (laughs) you could get access to our patron saint zoom parties where we have stimulating conversations with patron saints around a specific topic selected by patrons past topics have been homeschooling agorism and how to be independently healthy it's a fantastic way to pool the knowledge of the propaganda report community of which there is vast amounts of knowledge and enrich everyone involved it's i've learned so much going to these i know monica you've enjoyed them as well uh, they've been a big hit and we also offer live on-air shout outs at our premium levels as well so here's what i want you to do i want you to go to patreon.com slash propaganda report browse through the tiers find one that's right for you give it a try for a month you might love it if you do stick around if not then you can cancel after a month and, and try a different tier no harm done so check it out patreon.com slash propaganda report jo- join a growing community of like-minded thinkers who aren't afraid to question the narrative with that said on to our final story of the free 30. This is another story out of the Wall Street Journal. It is, here's the headline, pandemic hangover, $11 trillion in corporate debt. Stressed companies piled on debt as interest rates plummeted, but could face a reckoning in the next economic downturn. So I'm going to tell you what that means. I'm going to tell you what I think about it. So this, what they're saying is that there was all this subsidized debt. So interest rates were way low, even though these companies were less viable because there was no business. So they were less capable of dealing with the debt, but they needed it more. And all of a sudden, the rates were less than they otherwise were. So three different kinds of uh, businesses are the main categories of what who took advantage of this. One was refinancing old, more expensive debt. So if you're just a regular healthy company and you just said, okay, this is an opportunity for me to take, you know, this is lower interest rates. I'll just refinance all my debt. That's fine. Um, Companies that were viable and just wanted to weather the storm by borrowing money. They thought it was a reasonable thing to do. They knew they'd pay it back when the economy came back. That's okay too. But the last category is struggling businesses that borrowed the money to stave off bankruptcy. Now, those companies are, I would assume, really going to go under now because 
let's say that this is part of the whole plan to that I thought literally from the first minute of lockdown, the first minute, I said, well, one of the things they're doing is highly regressive in two ways. It's poor people can't stockpile stuff from Costco and have a room for everybody at home. And they're the ones who are going to lose their jobs because they they're a lot of times blue collar workers. So that's bad for them. But also mom and pop shops, small businesses, they are not going to be able to stand not having any income for a year. Those are the ones who are going to go under. I would say this is going to make that worse, giving them debt and the very confusing bailout kind of stuff. But also, as we open up again, if there are going to be things like vaccine passports, or if you have to hire greater cleaning staff, or if you have to lower capacity, these companies, maybe they thought things would come back with a vengeance, but they will have a permanent disadvantage. So again, it shakes out the little guy in favor of the big guy. Now, uh, I will say in two ways, I think these companies benefit and in one they don't. So the rebel capitalist who I love, George Gammon, he says that the third or he was saying that the 30 year fixed rate mortgage is an asset. If you can get rock bottom interest in an inflationary environment, just holding on to your business, the prices will go up, but your debt payments won't go up. So you'll get richer just by using that debt. So some companies will benefit from it. And if the company is going to stick around for 20 years, that's why I bought Carnival. It's like they're going to they're going to stick around. It doesn't matter to me what happens. And Warren Buffett says if the company, if you think the company is going to be there in 20 years, just buy it now at any price. Doesn't matter. Like I'm not suggesting people buy Carnival. It's already like past the point for that. But um, but Carnival was one of the companies that loaded up on debt and it was high price debt because they looked like they were going to go under. I knew they wouldn't, but they'll figure it out. Um, I'm not worried about them. I am worried about little guys, little guy, you know, the mom and pop diner and stuff. Okay. So, but here's the other category. Scott Kimball, a um, asset manager says it's not, you're not going to see a problem with this debt in the near term of these bigger companies that are bound for bankruptcy, but you will in the next economic downturn. So their revenues will go down and their debt will come due. So they can either refinance that debt, but at a higher rate because they're in a worse position. So if they're already shaky, they're going to go under because they're not going to be able to make those higher interest payments or the debt will come due and they're so bad off that no one will refinance the debt. And then they will just go under like en masse. And then you have a, you know, a pro cyclical, something that makes the recession deeper just when you're trying to ease the pain of that. Now, another, um, businessman who was benefiting from this said, anytime we can take advantage of a market like this, uh, of lower interest rates, either to make more money for ourselves, increase the profit margin by recruit, reducing the cost of capital or by lowering the cost to our customers, passing those savings along, we're going to do it. And what I'm telling you right now is you are always going to choose the profit margin if you can get away with it. The only reason you pass it on to your customers is if your competitors are in the same boat and they are able to give lower prices, they're going to compete with you on price. If what you're doing 
part and parcel with this is eliminating a lot of the competition, then the prices of the consumer is going to go up at the same time that your costs go down. So it'd be a windfall for anyone who can keep their seat at the table. And my guess is the people who will keep their seat at the table are more likely to be the people who go along with your ESG standards, your World Economic Forum stuff, than anybody else. And if you think that this isn't the way they think it through, then look at what they're doing at the G7 right now. Look at how well yesterday's posting on the White House website of what the G7 was planning conforms with with the Great Reset stuff. It even starts with the word build back better. It is coming all around ESG Great Reset. I think you're dead on there. Man, oh man. It's really, it's too much. So let me, this is a cheerful way I always think to end the show is the, is uh, some shout outs and thank yous to patrons. Kalon who I'm probably not pronouncing that right, I believe is a friend of Camp's and was lured into becoming a patron because he couldn't resist the tease for what we were (laughs) going to talk about in the patron 15. And I think that that's probably what happens. But we deliver. We don't have a lot of churn. People like it. So thank you, guys. Hope you like it. Kalon, Brooke, and Jordan, our latest patrons. Many, many thanks. And a shout out from a sponsor of ours and real friend of the show. Truly is a sponsor out of the desire to support the show. And I love that. Uh, It's from the Rye Rye Guys, our friends, the Rye Guys. W-R-Y. (laughs) <laughs> the ryguys.com to uh, he's shouting out to the sound mind creative group listen to this Binkley they recently announced an ambitious project to produce a high quality documentary countering the establishment's propaganda around COVID-19 and the authoritarian response to it as explained on their website the production will examine the tension between the mainstream narrative and those challenging it dive deeply into the data and tell the stories of the lives disrupted and damaged by lockdown policies. This looks really, really I love good. it. Sounds good. Yeah, right? To support and learn more about this revolutionary project, go to soundmindcreativegroup.com. So there's no punctuation or anything. Soundmindcreativegroup.com or listen to episode 1885. 1885. I don't know what significance that is, but it sounds like a year of significance, but it's episode 1885 of the Tom Woods show. So check that out. Sound mind creative. I am totally going to check that out. Thank you, Rye guys. That was like a public service announcement. <laughs> yeah. 1885 does have some significance. It slips my mind what exactly it is right now, but I think right, I saw maybe it. Somebody else. Somebody with, will with tell Tom us. Woods. I, I, yeah, I can't remember what it was. And that's it. Now on to the patron 15. We got some good stuff in there. Mouse sperm. Do I see mouse sperm in the nerds? Oh, well, you, you might see that. some mouse sperm. <laughs> mouse, mouse sperm. Excuse me. I What'd misspoke you say? there. I said mouth sperm. <laughs> I think mouse oh sperm might see, be what you share see. Share the show Tuesday. Can you the keep patron it clean, Yes, yeah, share the show Tuesday. Mouse sperm. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with a propaganda report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content we told you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the patron 15. Have a great share the show Tuesday.